I read an article yesterday, and I uh, it was about a guy who last year, in the year 2015, lost 128 pounds. Now, that's more than some of you, period. Like, some of y'all don't weigh 128 pounds. Um, but that's how much he lost last year. It's a pretty crazy transformation. We've got some pictures. He's a writer. Uh, his name is Bill Barnwell. That's him at the beginning at 3.30 or something like that, 3.30 something. Uh, and then show the picture at the end, Wes. That's him at 2.06 on, on New Year's Eve. So uh, he lost like half of himself or a third of himself uh, over the course of a year. It's pretty insane. And, you know, it's cool because he wasn't like – the article, he wasn't shilling some weight loss product. He just – he ate better and he exercised. Like that's his magical weight loss plan was eat better food for you, don't eat as much, and exercise more. Like that's it. So uh, lost a huge amount of weight. Um, and, and, and the thing was he knew he needed to change. Like when you're 300 pounds like that, you know, okay, something's got to change. And the article is a long article. He talks about the, you know, the mental, some of the, the excuses he would make for himself, which I kind of got convicted because I've made some of those same excuses in my eating, and especially when it comes to the eating, you know, he'd be like, I'd order a pizza and just eat the whole pizza, and I'm like, I've done that crap, you know, I, I've never been 330, but, uh, but, uh, but he saw what needed to be changed, and so he changed it, it was like a decision, you know, and, and the, I think, especially this time of year, we, we do a lot of self-evaluation. We look back, you know, people make New Year's resolutions and stuff. And this time of year, we kind of think, okay, what can I do better? What can I do different in 2016 than 2015? And sometimes we see something that needs a change, and we, we say we're going to do it someday, right? I've been there. Someday, I'm going to start eating right. Someday, I'm going to exercise. Someday, I'm going to really learn that instrument. Someday I'm going to start reading my Bible. Someday I'm going to start surfing in the church. Someday I'm going to really buckle down and do, get better grades because I know I can't. I've just been lazy. Someday I'm going to tell that friend about Jesus. Someday I'm going to bring a friend to church. Right? We, do what, we say we're going to do all these things someday, and we don't put a date on them. We don't put a, we just kind of leave them because that way we feel good about ourselves. I had these intention, but you're not actually held accountable for them. And I, like I said, I've been there. You know, I spent most of my adult life fluctuating in weight because someday I'm going to start working out. I'm the king of that. And uh, you guys who have been here a while, you've seen me go from like 250 down to 218 and somewhere in the middle. And right now I'm about halfway in the middle. But, uh, um, you know, we're all like that, I think, sometimes. We say, one day I'm going to do that. And you probably are thinking about things in your life right now, I hope you are, that you have planned on doing someday. And this is obviously really relevant right now because it is New Year's resolution season, right? I know I've seen a few Facebook posts from people who are regular, like legit, they actually work out all year round, and they hate working out this time of year because all the New Year's resolution people are clogging up the machines in the gym, Right? I know there was one time in my life where I was that guy. No, I lied. I was the New Year's resolution guy. My freshman year in college, I gained 15 pounds in the first semester. And in the second semester, I lost it all. But in January, I was that dude, like, taking up, taking up the machine. But I stuck with it. I was good. And so, um, for a semester at least. But the problem with New Year's resolutions is that they usually don't stick. Right? How many of you guys have ever made a New Year's resolution that you didn't stick to after, like, January? A few of you guys. I've, like I said, you know, for me it's usually the weight loss thing, but I've, got, I've actually got engagement pictures January 29th, so I have to actually exercise this month at least. For a month I have to. Then I can get fat again. Then over the summer I can lose it for the wedding. But uh, 
I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and keep it down. So I did my T25 this morning. I did. I'm trying. Anyways, oh, stop. Stop, please. Trust me, if you could see it, you wouldn't clap. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. I'm like, I finish it. I'm like, ah, I'm dying. You know, I'm like laying on the floor. I'm glad I haven't done. There's some that have a lot of like uh, floor-based stuff, planks and stuff, and I'm glad I haven't got to those yet because usually I just end up laying on the floor, but uh, we're, I'm not there yet. So New Year's resolutions don't usually stick a lot of times, and that's because I look, resolution is really just the intent. Okay, even like with the government, they'll say we issue a resolution, which means we don't actually have to act or do anything. It just means we have every intention of doing this. And so the resolution idea is, is, uh, is, is something that, that doesn't really give us any good because we have this someday idea. The problem is a dream without a deadline is just a fantasy. Okay, a dream without a deadline is a fantasy, and so we have, to, we have to make it more than just a resolution, more than just an intent, more than just an idea. Now, I, I propose that instead of doing New Year's resolutions, we make a New Year's revolution, because a revolution is about action. Okay, a revolution means things are going on. We think about the American Revolution. They're, they're fighting, and they're throwing tea into Boston Harbor, and, you know, they're doing all this stuff. Say what? Yeah, exactly. They had the Boston Tea Party and, you know, they were doing stuff. We're going to talk tonight about, uh, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. This is on the U version if you want to get there. Um, but we're, uh, we're going to be in Revelations 2 and John through Jesus, is, or Jesus through John, is writing to the church at Ephesus. Okay? And so Ephesus is also the city, the church where the book of Ephesians is written to. But uh, they get a little, they get a paragraph in Revelations 2, okay? And the city of Ephesus was a big city, okay? It's, it, they were a leader in business, a leader in commerce. They had, uh, uh, they had influence over other cities. They were, they were uh, you know, they were like New York or Dallas or something like that. You know, they, had, uh, they were a big city and people looked to them, okay? And, and they had uh, all kinds of other religions and other gods and false teachers, which really sounds like America today, Right? influential, all about business, worship everything in the world. Yeah, okay, so that's who he's writing to. Um, and there was a church in Ephesus that was very strong for a long time. But John writes revelations like 40 years after Jesus dies and, and that whole thing. So the church had started strong and had been strong, but it's starting to kind of get weird. Things are starting to shift in the church at Ephesus. And so John writes, this is Revelation 2, 2 through 5, it says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So he's like, good job so far, right? You're seeing the false teachers. You're shutting them down. You're not, you're not letting them keep doing. You're, you're discerning in that way. You're doing some good things. You're keeping away that kind of stuff. And you've persevered, and people persecute you, and you've kept going. But then he says this, yet I hold this against you. So this is what you're doing wrong. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, uh, your first love, the love you had at first. He talks about that. And who's he what's he talking about when he says you've forgotten your first love? What's the first love? God, Jesus, yeah. Okay, not a trick question. So he's like, remember, remember how strong you were about Jesus. 
And we know that Jesus is our first love. And whether or not you have ever loved Jesus, he is the first love because he loved you first. Okay, 1 John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. So before you ever, what was the, you know, you know, little kids have like their favorite toy, right? Like, you know, when you're a little kid, you got that one toy or maybe that stuffed animal that you didn't want, you, you wanted to take it with you everywhere. Okay, Calvin and Hobbes or Linus and his blankie or something like that, right? Before you love that first toy, before your first middle school boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it may have been, before any of that stuff happened, Jesus loved us, right? And everything we do is in response to that. The reason we praise and worship is as a response to the way God loves us. And uh, the reason we give is because Jesus gave his life for us. And the reason we served is because Jesus came to serve us. And all of these things are because Jesus loved us first. And the church at Ephesus had begun to forsake that. They had kind of forgotten it. And they were doing what was right. Like he even says, he's like, yeah, you're persevering, you're hard work, you're not tolerating wicked people, you're testing the false prophets. That's awesome. You're doing great. But you've lost your first love. They had lost their passion. They had lost their zeal. They had lost their, their energy, their life. Right. And I think I've been there. There have been times where I went to church because I knew it was what I was supposed to do. And I was leading worship and all these kind of things, you know, but but I didn't have any passion for Jesus. It was because it was what I was supposed to do. It was my to do list. Go to church, pick songs for the youth worship. You know, me as a teenager, man, do the do the right things. Make sure everybody knows you're the good pastor's kid where there was no passion. And that happens sometimes when things get complicated in life. Right. When things are easy, they're fun. And we want to do them. But when things start to get complicated, it becomes more difficult. Because when things get complicated, we become complacent, and complacency causes us to give up. It's like this. How many of you guys play video game, like games on your phones? Or, or any kind of video game. On your phone, you play Xbox, whatever it may be. Now, when you get a new game, those first few levels are super easy, right? And you're really excited about it because you can just kill everything. Right, whatever the game is, yeah, I can dominate these first few levels because they're really like the learning levels anyways. Okay, and I've done this with, there's probably still games on my phone. There, in fact, there is. What's that stupid game that, uh, there's one game that I started playing a while back. Uh, it's this like solitaire golf thing, Fantasy Blast Solitaire, something I don't even know. Um, Fairway Solitaire Blast, that's what it's called. And I started playing it and it was easy. I was like, yeah, man, I got this junk. This is no problem. I got, I got this taken care of. But then as it got harder, I began to be like, man, I ran out of lives. Now i got to wait. And then after the lives refilled, I'm like, man, I don't want to play that again. I can't beat that level. I'm just tired of it. Right? And, and, and again, the video games is a super simple uh, analogy. But it's that same thing in life. When things are easy, they're fun, and it's easy to have passion. But when things get difficult, it, 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 sometimes we, we get away from that, and we lose focus on those things. And sometimes our Christian life gets hard. It gets hard to, to be a Christian, especially in a school that has a lot of non-Christians or a lot of fake Christians. It can be hard to really stick to your guns and to really believe in what you believe, you know, really, really stick to what you believe in when you're surrounded by people who, who, who aren't doing that, who aren't sticking to it. All right, there's a lot of stuff in the world that will distract us. Yesterday at First Priority, we were at Permian, and uh, so it was in first lunch, ninth grade A lunch. And uh, this, this group of girls came in from the cafeteria. They had gone and got food. You know, the cafeteria just got finished over the break, so they're finally not just doing, like, bag lunches. And uh, 
So she came in with some food from the kitchen, and she had a brownie, and it looked like a good brownie. I mean, it looked like it looked legit. And so she took a bite, and then she passed it to her friend, like, try this. And it went down the row, and everybody tried it. And then they're like, here, you and me and Mari, who's one of the other coaches, and Shane and Natalie, uh, they had us all try it. And every one of us did the same thing. We took it, a little piece, and we chewed on it. And Some of them just, like, spat it back out, like, where's the trash can? Just spat it. I swallowed mine, which was a mistake, because then I got this funky aftertaste, too. That those that didn't swallow didn't get the aftertaste because it was like a brownie with no sugar and no chocolate. It was like a sponge, basically. It was terrible. It was one of the worst things I've ever eaten. It was not good, partially because the the uh, uh, the expectation was high because it looked like a good brownie. You know, like lettuce, I know it's bad. It's lettuce. I don't like lettuce. I know that going in. But brownies I like, so it kind of tricked me, um, and, and, and it confused me because uh, it looked really good, but then it wasn't, and it was nasty. Because, well, that didn't look good, though. The Thanksgiving smoothie looked bad, and it was bad. Yeah, that was, that was, not, that was, not, that was never going to be good. But the brownie tricked me because I thought it was going to be good. And so, no, I had a brownie yesterday at Permian. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, it was like a sponge. But, uh, but here's the thing. The world wants to do that. The world wants to tell us, hey, this will be good for you. This will be fun. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did. Or that's what the serpent said to Adam and Eve. He said, no, it's good to eat from that tree. Surely God wants to. The only reason God doesn't want you to eat from that is because he doesn't want you to be like him. If you eat from that tree, you'll be like him. And that's what the world does. It'll tell us, hey, hey, try this. Do this thing. It's going to be great. But all that thing does is it pulls us away from our first love. When we focus on who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it keeps us on track, right? That's how we stay like on track. We stay focused because when we focus on Jesus, everything else comes into focus. Sometimes it's so hard to see what's going on and you feel like, man, I've just got too many things going on. When you focus on Jesus, everything else comes into focus. So here are some ways to know if you have lost your first love, okay? Here's some things, and you might be thinking, okay, I'm not sure, but it, here's some things to, to know what your focus is on. And the first question that we're going to ask is, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Willis, right? What are you talking about? The Bible says in Luke 6.45, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay, it's like a water bottle. If you fill that water bottle up, eventually stuff's going to overflow. But I just if I keep pouring water into a, into a water bottle, Coke is not going to overflow from it, right? Water's going to overflow from it because that's what I was putting in it. And so it's the same thing with our lives. When we speak, the things that we say, the way we talk, they, they, they are the overflow of our heart, whatever our heart is full of. So if your heart is focused on Jesus, you're going to talk you're going to speak in a godly way. Does that mean you're only going to quote Scripture and talk about Jesus all the time? No, it does not. Okay, that's not, I'm not saying don't ever talk about sports or music or movies. No, that's not what I'm saying, so don't hear that. Okay? But if the language that's coming out of our mouth is not pleasing to God, if, if, you know, if, if when you're not here you're saying things that you'd be embarrassed for your church friends to hear or for your parents to hear or for me or somebody you know, to hear, that's not an overflow from a heart that's full of God. Here's the second question. How are you spending your time and your money? Okay, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be, over, will be also. Our heart follows our treasure. 
And in today's world, money and time are the two biggest treasures we have. You've heard time is money. And if you've been here a while, you've heard me say this before, but, but it's always a good reminder because when we spend all of our time and all of our money and all of our energy on things, that's what we're putting first. That, that, that tells us our priorities. We're going to be really focusing on Speed the Light this year. I encourage you guys to choose to give to it. And, yes, it's a choice. Okay? I know what it's like to choose to tithe or to choose to give to the church and not to. Okay? But you have to choose, and sometimes it means you've got to sacrifice something else. But it's always worth it. And I could tell you my testimony. I'll do that some other time, my tithing testimony. But you get to choose how you spend your time and money. So here's what we're going to do. We're about to close. And uh, I want all you guys to stand up for a minute. We don't, always, we don't often do this, but I want you to stand up. And if you're in a place, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Nobody looking around. But if you're in a place where you say, you know what, over the last semester, over the last however long, I've lost focus on what is most important. If that's you, I just want you to look up at me and look right back down. That's all you got to do. I see you. I see you. If you would say, you're in a place where I, you say, I'm not focused on Jesus and I want to refocus on Jesus. If that's you right now, just look up and look back down. If you already did, that's fine. You don't have to. See, here's the thing. Just like that guy who lost 128 pounds in one year, it was a choice. Every day he had to get up and choose to eat healthier, to eat grilled chicken instead of chicken wings which is an example he used, but to, uh, to exercise. And you know what he even said, and I've been there, there are days when I make the wrong choices. He said there were days where I ate bad and I didn't work out, but the difference was the next day I got back up and I got back on the horse. And that's, it's so easy for us when we, when we make a mistake to just be like, well, I'm off the horse, I might as well stay down here. And maybe that's been you at some point. But here's the thing, and I want to tell you this. You get to choose to focus on Jesus. And I'm just going to be straight with you. The easiest way to do it is to get in the Word. The church is doing a Bible reading plan. You can pick up a calendar down on the information center. We're only six days in. You can catch up. If you've got the YouVersion app, it'll actually read the Bible out loud to you. That's how I've been doing it mostly this year because I've never really done it that way before. I've read the Bible through several times, but I've actually been listening to it each day this year. It's kind of cool. The guy in there has got a great accent. They've got a little background music. It's fantastic. Get in the Word because the Bible is Jesus' God's love letter to you. And so, you know, you hear stories about, about, about people who when they, they're far apart but they're in love and they, they go back and look at old letters or you might have gone back and look at old texts from somebody because it reminds you and it helps you refocus. I'm going to pray and I just want to encourage you guys to make a decision right now. You know, if that means you need to grab a Bible plan and go home and get started, read a few chapters, it's only like three, four chapters a day of the Bible reading plan. You can do it. If you need to do that, that's fine. Whatever you need to do to get refocused on Jesus as we begin this new year, want to start the year with the right focus because, and actually, you know, look up at me for a second because I'm going to talk a little bit before I pray. But uh, um, one of the things, the last part of that uh, the scripture we read is he says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The lampstand is the light. 
And, if, you know, when we're not focused on Jesus, we don't, we're not a light to people. And we say, man, I wish my school, I wish more people at my school weren't drinking. Are you being a light to them? Are you allowing yourself to be a light to them? I wish half my class wasn't, wasn't going to this party on Saturday night, and I have to say no, and I'm the only one not going, and it's weird. We get to be a light to them. When we focus on Jesus, we become a light, and they get drawn to that. And it may take time. It oftentimes takes a lot of time. But, but we have the opportunity to draw people towards Jesus by the way we live, and that comes when we focus on him because they can see a fake Christian in a second. You guys know, if I tell you, think of a person at your, your school who calls himself a Christian but doesn't act like one, you can probably all think of one, a dozen, a hundred. Now, see, people can see that. But when you're a real Christian, people see that too. When you're really in love with Jesus and you're really focused on him and the good things that he has done for you and the way he died for you and, and the way he forgave our sins before we ever loved him, he loved us, and we stay focused on that, people are going to see it and it's going to reflect in our actions and our lampstand is going to still be there. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, God. God, I thank you for those students who responded tonight. They didn't, they didn't have to come forward. They didn't have to... to to say anything to the people around them, Lord, but they made a decision. They looked up and they made eye contact. God, and, the, and just that simple action is enough to say, yes, I'm making a decision tonight to revolutionize the way I think, to, to not just intend on changing, Lord, but to take action. God, I pray that you would give them strength. I pray that you would give them courage. I pray that you would... Uh, help them to remember who you are, Lord. Put things in their place. Let me and the rest of our church family be, a, be, be able to remind them, Lord, of who you are and how good you are. God, we sing that song, Good, Good Father, and it's just such a, such a great reminder of that, Lord, of who you are and the way you love us. And so, God, tonight we just come before you and we pray that you would revolutionize us starting from the inside, God, that you would change the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. Lord, the way we interact with the people around us, the way we love or don't love the people around us, the people who are hard to love. God, the way we treat the people that annoy us, the way we talk to those who are in authority. Lord, revolutionize our, our hearts and our minds. God, we believe that you have big plans for each student here, God. I believe that you have big plans for this youth group, Lord, this church. We've seen the way our church is growing over the last few years and the way people are coming to know you. And we pray that that same thing would, would begin to happen here in, in this room, Lord, that it would not just be adults and, and, and them bringing their kids, God, but that we would, would fall in love with you all over again. Like that song saying, God, that you would set a fire in us and people would see that light. God, people would... Be drawn to you through us and, God, because of the way we reflect you. God, we commit tonight, we make a decision, Lord, to begin a fresh new life with you. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.